Hi, Josh Sorrell here from Sandhill FWB Church in Sandusky, Ohio. The podcast that you're about to enjoy was given live before our congregation here at Sandhill, and we pray that this podcast will encourage and challenge your walk with Christ. For more sermons like this, as well as additional Christian content, visit our website at www.sandhillfwb.com or check out our social media pages on YouTube and Facebook, keyword Sandhill FWB Church. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way. Uh, I uh, hope you have found your place uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 2. Uh, if not, uh, God help you, all right? So uh, let's stand and read uh, 2 Timothy. Just going to read two verses this morning. <clears throat> chapter 2 and verse number 1. Thou, therefore... My son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Let us pray. I humbly thank you, Lord, that we are here today. I humbly thank you that I am able to be here. Oh, God, how I thank you for your word. Lord, how this message has spoke to my heart. And God, I pray that you would um, open all of our hearts, that the Holy Spirit might minister to us. Lord, we might understand your word this morning. God, help me that I would not get in the way or hinder in any way. All of my inabilities and all my inadequacies, Lord, I bring them before you. Pray you take this clay pot, Lord, and, and use me, Lord, to... To speak to your people, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't think I can uh, overstate this, but those, I typically read more than two verses, but those two verses are huge. And I can, and I probably am going to, I'm probably going to, this is probably going to be a a multiple uh, part message, but there is so much in those two verses. It's, it is staggering. And, and if I, I think I can, without overstating, I think I can say this. This is really the blueprint from Jesus until Jesus returns in the rapture. This is the blueprint for the entirety of the, of the church is in these two verses. And it is really so deep and so profound. Uh, and so we're going to try to just straight out of those verses take the plan for the church. <clears throat> now, um, let me just get a couple things out of the way. We are not an ordinary church. Can I get an amen? We're, we're not an ordinary church. Um, it is not normal. Almost in almost every church you will find, this is a statistic, but you'll find you know 10% of the people really all involved, all in, and the other 90% kind of just spectators. Uh, we're like 95% all in and just a few people watching, right? That is very unusual. But can I say this, and can you guys work with me here? I love a little bit of help this morning. Uh, that is the New Testament model. We're following what the New Testament teaches. In other words, you don't find in the New Testament where you have a few people running the show and everybody else is watching. In the New Testament, what you find is everybody comes together and they're common and they all work together. So that is New Testament. I want to say this. To make it clear, if you're here this morning, this message is for you. This is is for men and women, old and young, new to the church, old to the church. If you are here this morning, this message is for you. 
And I want this message to not be one of those things we hear it and then it goes away. I want this message to be how we run the Sand Hill Church till Jesus comes. Amen? So that, that is my heart's desire, and I believe it is a biblical principle we're going to preach this morning. Now, I titled the message, and I really like this. I'm not, I'm not, I don't have cool titles like Josh, and I can't make all the letters start with a thing, whatever. But, but I love this, this title, Manufacture. And I want to tell you what come to my mind when I, when I did this. And I don't know if there's anybody much here who loves baseball, but I love baseball. Okay? I love baseball. So in baseball, you can have, if you've got a really good team and you've got those three or four guys that are always going to get up and hit a double, and then you've got that guy who comes behind, he's going to hit a home run, and you score a whole bunch of points, that's how, you, that's how you play baseball, and that's how you win baseball games. But then you have that coach who doesn't have that home run hero, who doesn't have all those fantastic, and they have to do what they call manufacture runs. You know what that means? Try and get a walk. Get hit by the ball if you have to. Get on base, whatever it takes. We'll make a sack fly. We'll do this and we'll do that. And it might not be glorious. It might not be pretty. It might not be fancy. But at the end of the day, we're going to put some points on the board. And you know, they win ball games that way. They win ball games not with home runs, but by manufacturing runs. And really what they mean is we're intentionally doing this to get an outcome. And, and that's what we're preaching about this morning. We're going to manufacture here at Sand Hill. We're going to manufacture uh, and, and uh, on purpose to get an intended will. So <clears throat> the first question I want to ask, I want you guys to answer. This is really not a question. It's a statement. But I want you guys to, to agree with me because we need to come to an agreement on this before we go any farther. God is a God of order and excellence. Can I get an Amen. God is a God of order and excellence. Listen, you cannot read the Bible and not see that God is a God of order. You'll not find that it, there's not one thing in the Old Testament, New Testament, there's nothing in here where God just kind of wings it as he goes and sees how it turns out. Everything is meticulous. It's very, very in order. God is a God of order. So if God is a God of order and this is God's church, maybe this church ought to be a church of order. Does that make sense? Now, God is a God of excellence. Somehow or another, that got a bad name. We're not going to go into that, but I just want to say, God, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, God does things right. God does things right. I've shared with you guys before, everybody knows how I do I just want to make sure we get on the same page, uh, but it just, it just breaks my heart when people call themselves Christians and the church looks terrible and everything is, is done very poorly, and, and then they bring it before the, before the world, and what they're saying is, this is how good Jesus is. Jesus, Jesus is generic. How many of you know Jesus is not generic? Jesus is excellent. And I think, and I know that looks different. If you're in Haiti, that looks different than here. If you're, in, if you're in England, that looks different than here. I know it looks different. But can I say, we ought to be saying, Jesus is great. He's in order. He's excellent. He does things right. And so if we understand that, that is a biblical concept that is clearly straight from the Scripture. If we understand that as we go into this message, I, I'm not going to try to offend you this morning, but I am going to try to be very clear. I, I want to be understood I don't want to hurt your feelings, but I want to be understood. But we need to understand that God is a God of excellence and a God of order. And if we want to be as God's church, we will be excellent and in order as well. 
Now, at Sand Hill Church, I believe, again, this is a New Testament concept, but do we want a church where everyone is a part of the team? That's the kind of church we want? Do we want, we want three or four people who are running the church and everybody else is just watching? Do we want a church where everybody's in on it? And, you know, we eat together, we work together, we play together, we, we, we have church together, we worship together, but can I say we're all in this together? Listen, there's not any big eyes, little U's, you're important, you're not important. Everybody who comes here, if you're sitting here this morning, you're breathing, you, you, we want you on the team. And we want a church that is designed where everybody is a part of what we're going on. And that may not be normal today, but that is New Testament today. So I'm going to give you the four, I borrowed this uh, 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 alliteration from uh, another preacher, but, but the, these, because they all start with P's, but I, get, I want to give you these four uh, uh, types of leaders that we have in the New Testament. And it comes straight out of this text, and, and then we'll go on to try to define them. For, but so if we look back at the text real quickly, we see clearly that Paul, uh, if you understand your Bible, the book of Timothy is, what do we call the book of Timothy? It's a pastoral epistle. The book of uh, Titus, Philemon, those are pastoral. What is this? Paul, uh, as over them, he had found some men that were under him, and they were pastors, and he was teaching them. He called Timothy, my son. Was that his biological son? No, but that's his boy. He, he said, I took him under my wings. And, you, and this, is, this is heartwarming to me, but you read through some of the other epistles, even outside of the pastoral epistles, but it'll, Paul will say something like this. When Timothy shows up, whatever he says, you listen to him. You know why? That was his son. He had raised him in the faith. And, and so he had these, he had these uh, men who had come under him who were, were uh, pastors. And then he told them, he said, uh, um, you, you men who are pastors who I have trained personally, he said, you find some more faithful men who are under you and you train them. And then you tell them that they go find some more men under them and have them train them. That's a New Testament. Didn't Jesus do the same thing, by the way? We got a big fancy word. Uh, it's not a fancy word, but we got a big word today we like to use. It's real popular. Discipleship. But when Jesus was here, what did he spend his whole entire life doing? Training people. Can I, can I be real honest? If you read the, the Gospels, Jesus was training his replacement. He was working on, I'm not going to be here. You need to take my place. And I don't want to miss a beat whenever I'm gone. So Jesus was training up. He was training up the 12. He had the three that were, were the, the J, Peter, James, and John who were kind of the top of the answer. But then he had the 12, and then, then he had 70. But Jesus was training men. So when he was gone, they would take over, and it would keep on going. Someone has said, I think this is accurate, but someone has said, you don't figure out how good your ministry is by how big your church is. You figure out how good you're, because if you have a really, really big church and when you die, it all goes under, that just says it was all about you. But if you have a really good church and you die and it doesn't miss a beat, then you are a good leader. Amen? 
So you're really working on putting yourself out of business. That, that's kind of what you're doing, right? Is putting yourself out of business. So that's what Paul was doing. So we're going to look at these four. Again, it comes right straight out of these two verses that we read here. I hope that I made that clear. We have Paul uh, calling these other brothers. These other brothers had come in, uh, and then they were to go find other brothers, and then they were to go find other brothers. And that is straight out of the Bible. That is the, the Bible model. <clears throat> so I'm going to give you these quickly, and then we'll go on to try to define them. So we have the principal leader, and that uh, Paul was the principal leader. He was, he, was, uh, he was calling the other brothers. Then we have the proven leaders, uh, Timothy and Titus and Philemon and those who, who Paul had called. They were the proven leaders. They were the pastors. They were running the churches. And then we have the potential leaders. Those were the faithful men. Those were the ones that, that, that Timothy had said, this guy here is faithful. Okay, he's, he's a faithful brother. Commit these things to him. He's a potential leader. And then we have the possible leaders. There were all of those other people uh, that, that could possibly be brought in and moved up uh, to the, to the inch lots. This. So, so there's a very orderly and systematic plan to assure the future of the church. Amen? So let's look at each one of these and see if we can define them just a little bit. <clears throat> if you'll think about Paul, he, people say we're not supposed to follow man, and that is true. We should never follow man. But Paul was not blunt about saying, follow me as I have followed Christ. Now, as soon as Paul stops following Christ, what should everybody have done? Stop following Paul. But as long as he's following Christ, then he said, it's okay to follow me. And that's the same with any pastor. Never, ever, ever follow a man and never put all, you know, there's so many people who have put, put so much confidence in a man. When that man fell, it just devastated their Christianity. Never put your faith in a man. But if a man is following Jesus, you can get behind that man because follow, you're following him who's following Jesus. So Paul uh, followed Christ. And, and that is the first, uh, the, the first responsibility of the principal leader is to follow Christ. <clears throat> but clearly, in the New Testament, if you really think about the entirety of the New Testament, of everything that Paul went through and all that he did, all of the church fights, everything that went on and all the epistles that he wrote, being thrown in jail and everything, what was Paul doing? He's getting the doctrine right. I know I harp on that all of the time, but it's really what this book's all about is getting the doctrine right. So Paul was establishing, writing it down, getting it around. He was passing it along. So it says in, in, in our verse here, it says, the, the things that thou hast heard among many witnesses, of, of me among many witnesses. Did he mean the story that he told about a ball game? What was he talking about? The doctrine. The biblical teaching that has been established from other witnesses that I have taught you, Timothy, you teach that to other people. So the principal leader is, is responsible to humbly follow Christ, and he's responsible to protect and pass on biblical doctrine. Not the leader's doctrine, the Bible's doctrine. I'm going to get to this in a minute, and we're going to see how important this is. <clears throat> I've said this many times as your pastor, you are accountable to do what I say if, I'm, if it's thus saith the word of God. If it's thus saith Gary, you don't have to do it. You don't have to do it, right? It is thus saith the word of God. And that's what Paul was saying was the word of God, the doctrine, Timothy, protect the doctrine. 
So if we see that the principal leader is the pastor of the church, uh, I am in a position where I need to be following Jesus. You people need to see me following Jesus. Does not mean I'll be perfect. Does not mean you won't see flaws. But it does mean that you see that my heart is to wholly follow Jesus. And I need to be establishing, I need to know the doctrine. I need to study the doctrine. I need to understand what is out there and all of the things are. And I need to protect this church. No one's coming in here bringing in a false doctrine. I'm going to protect and pass on biblical doctrine. It is important. It is critically important to the future of the church. Now, that is, that is very important. We're not going to spend a lot of time on the principal leader. <clears throat> the proven leader... <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Lose my voice. <laughs> the proven leader is responsibilities. Now, Timothy and Titus and Philemon, thank you, babe, <clears throat> they had proven themselves to be leaders. Are you, guys, are you guys following me? They had proven themselves. Paul wasn't saying, I'm going to trust this guy, see how it works out. He said, I've proven Timothy. Listen, you don't, go, you don't go to a church that you've established and tell them when that guy gets there, whatever he preaches, I'm behind it. Unless you know what he's going to preach. I have proven Timothy. I know who he is. When Titus, I left him behind in Crete so that he would have set things in order. I left him there because I knew he would do it right. I've proven him. So I have confidence to say, whatever he says, I'm behind it. <clears throat> So, so Timothy was, thank you, <clears throat> Timothy was, <clears throat> was proven. So how many of you know, this is really important that you guys understand this, how many of you know that Timothy didn't just wake up one day and said, I want to be Paul's right-hand man, right? How many of you know he didn't just come to her and say, Paul, 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 make me your son, there was a process he had to go through. There, there was, a, there was a, a work that he had to do to go through to be, in other words, the, Timothy probably messed up. Timothy probably did a lot of things. Timothy probably had to be told over and over and over. But it finally got to the place where Paul said, I trust Timothy. I trust Titus. I trust Levi. I trust them to take over when I'm gone. They were proven. I hope that makes sense to you guys. <clears throat> I would really like to skip this next part and not say it, but I'm going to say it anyway. I'm not trying to be offensive. I'm trying to be uh, clear. Just because you are a preacher, just because you are a deacon, just because you have a title does not mean you've been proven. See, some people think that, well, I'm a deacon, you have to do what I say. I'm a preacher, you have to. I'm, I, I, I'm, I hold this office. I'm a Sunday school teacher. No. Have you been proven? Have you been proven? Because if you're proven, then there's no worries. If you hold an office, we got some concerns. Am I making sense? So, so this isn't just a title. This is a person who has been proven uh, in the work. So we want to look at uh, still under the responsibilities of a proven leader. We're going to spend more time on this one than any of them probably. But this, this guy has to, uh, and, and not, again, this is not for men and women. So when I say we're talking about women, we're going to get show that you hear in a minute. But we understand that we, do, we, have, uh, we don't have women pastors, okay? We all clear on that. Don't ever take a deep breath. We're okay. Okay, we're not talking about making women pastors. But, but there is a place in the church for female leadership. It's needed. It's, it's biblical. 
So, so this applies to everyone. So everyone who's in this proven leadership category has owned the doctrine that they have received. Now, I want to say this real clear, and I really, really want you guys to get this down because I think this is so important. Anyone here, anyone under the sound of my voice, I don't care who you are, Anyone here is free at any time, and not only free, but I would encourage it. If you don't agree with something I say, if you don't agree with something I preach, if you don't agree with something we're doing, anything that is on the church, you always are free to come and, and knock on my door and say, Pastor, I don't agree with what you preached. But listen, we're going to talk about it biblically. This is how I feel. This is how it is to me. This is how it seems to me. This is what spoke to me. Uh, this is my feelings on it. That's not going to get you anywhere. Thus saith the word of God. <clears throat> me and Josh had a little uh, conversation last week. And I, I, I shouldn't say this, but I told him, I said, I've not been able to argue very often biblically. And I didn't really know where Josh stood on this particular issue we were discussing. But since I'd already thought, if he disagrees with me, I'm going to listen to what he says. And I'm going to argue with him, not this is how I think or I feel or I see it, but this is what the Bible says. Now, after we had the conversation and found out we were on the same page, we were in full agreement. But you know how we decided that matter? What the Bible says. What the Bible says, okay? Listen, I, I think everybody here understands, but we're past the days of this is how I feel, uh, this is what it is to me, this is what I was taught, this is you know what it seems to me. No, what the Bible says. So everyone here, if you, so, so it's in, in the notes, but everyone here, everyone has the right to question me. But if you are a proven leader, if you are, if you are uh, next in command, if you will, if you are one who has rose to the place where you are a proven leader, you always have the right to say, Pastor, I don't agree with your doctrine. And then we're going to discuss it biblically. We're going to discuss who is right. I might be wrong. If I am wrong, I make this commitment right now. If I am wrong, I will change my doctrine. If you can show me biblically where, it, to anybody here, anybody here, I will change my doctrine. But here's what we got to do, guys. And here's why I make such a big deal about this. <clears throat> I think this is one of the, the downfalls of the church. And everybody's seen this. If you've been around any time at all, I think this is one of the big downfalls of the church. We got to get past this. Okay, I die, now so-and-so's a pastor. We're going to change everything because everything he did was wrong. And now we're going to start a brand new church. And as soon as he's gone, we're going to do everything different. And then as soon as he's gone, we're going to do everything different. You know what we need to do? We need to figure out what God says and build the church on what God says. And then if I die, it won't change a bit because it ain't Gary's church, it's God's church. And it just goes on the same. And the people who are proven under me, they agree with the doctrine. And when they take over, nothing changes. The congregation's not nervous and scared. They know we're going by the Bible. We're not going by Gary. Does that make sense? Listen, this church needs to come to the place where when I am gone, you guys just pick up and go right on. Because it's not Gary's doctrine, it's Bible's doctrine. And the brothers who are behind me need to uh, receive that as their own doctrine and stand on their own doctrine. So as when I am gone, it's not. See, see, I guess here's my point. 
whoever you are. If I'm doing it wrong, let's figure it out right now. Don't wait till I'm dead and then come and say, everything Gary told you was wrong, let's do it different. Let's figure it out now. Get on the same page. Whenever the time comes, the church will move on. I've seen so many, I've seen so many sheep, and you guys have too, I've seen so many sheep really hurt because the sheep don't understand everything. But they're following one shepherd, and then another shepherd does everything exactly the opposite, and it strips out all their gears. Guys, let's get the Bible doctrine and let's stand on the Bible doctrine. Right? So this proven leader, they know the doctrine, they stand on the doctrine, they, they believe the doctrine. You are welcome to question me. You are welcome to disagree with me. You are not welcome to have your own doctrine and go a different way. <clears throat> I, I've made this very clear since I've been pastor. I don't understand this. I can't grasp it. But but I I do not and will not have preacher a preacher, our preachers, or any preacher come in and come here and preach something contradicting what we believe. It confuses the people. You say, what if he's your best friend? Well, he can be my best friend. He just can't preach in my church, okay? <laughs> it confuses the people. We're going to preach the Bible. We're not going to preach what we believe. So that is very, very important. <clears throat> They're not free to promote their own doctrine, church. They are free to, to abide by the doctrine that we have established. <clears throat> when they become principal leaders, nothing will change. So we've already covered this. So let's look on to, to proven faithful. So we're still under the proven uh, leader's responsibility. He has, they have to be proven faithful. Man or woman, man or woman. And I guess if you understand this, what we're talking about, when you were a, a possible leader or when you were a potential leader, we saw that you were faithful. And we called you up. Does this, am, I, am I making any sense to you guys? So if we have someone in the church who has great doctrine, but they only show up about half the time, do we want them running the church? <laughs> how would you guys, so how would you guys like it if I, as a pastor of this church, I come to a lot of the events, I come to some of the services, I come to some of the outreach, I come to some of the work days. How would you guys like that? You say, he's our leader? Well, you don't want the guy who takes my place to not be faithful, and he comes, and he's only, only here part of the time. We, in other words, there's a track record. When we're, some people, when we're having something, they're going to be here. That's the one you want because that's the one that's faithful. You guys following this? I think that's quite simple, but, but we have seen churches who've tried to put people in who were not faithful, and they have a lot of trouble with it. So I, hope, I think that's self-explanatory. <clears throat> Easy for me to say. Proven servant. Let's read, let's read Luke 22, 24, 27. How many of you know that being a leader in the church is not the same as being a leader in the world? And we don't have a whole lot of big hot shots in this church, but there are other churches who they have CEOs and they have uh, people who run businesses and own their own business and all this. And they come in church and they say, well, I'm a natural leader. I lead people. I should be a leader in the church. You know, if you're a leader in the world, that doesn't mean you can do anything in the church. Because it's not the same thing. It's exactly the opposite, right? You've almost got to reprogram you to get you to be any good in the church. So it's not the same thing. So let's see what Jesus had to say about it. Luke 22, 24 through 27. <clears throat> and there was also a strife among them, which of them should be counted the greatest? And he said unto them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. But ye shall not be so. Read it again. But ye shall not be so. 
But he that is the greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he that is chief as he that doeth serve. For whether is greater, he that sitteth at meat, <clears throat> or he that serveth, is not he that sitteth at meat, but I am among you as he that serveth. Biblical leadership is not the same as worldly leadership. Can I just say this? We're looking for servants. We're, we're looking for servants. We're looking for someone with a servant's heart. Excuse me. <clears throat> so, what does a servant do if they're a leader? I have a couple of examples for you this morning. <clears throat> Being a leader in a church does not mean you get to be the boss. How many know that I'm not the boss? Okay? I, I'm not the boss. And, and, and someone who wants to be a pastor so they can run the show, that guy should never be the pastor. That guy should never be the pastor. I was thinking about this a little bit comical. Most of you don't remember this. Uh, so Georgia and a couple of you remember, but most of you don't. But the pastor study used to be in Sister Brenda's room. That's where the pastor study was at. Well, we went through kind of an odd time. I, I announced my call to preach. I voted pastor out the next Sunday. We didn't have a pastor for a long time. Then I kind of started to take over, and it looked like I was going to be the pastor. But I remember this so very well. I remember this so very, and I'm not, I, I'm just being, trying to be transparent, but I remember this so very clear. So, George, I would go back there because I had to preach. And I'd sit on a bench, on a folding chair, because I said, I can't sit in that pastor's chair. That's serious. That's serious. And I was afraid to because that means that's serious. And what I'm trying to show you is um, if you're dying to jump in that position so you can tell everybody what to do, you're not the guy for the job. You're not the guy for the job. So I think we have a couple of illustrations. So we want servant leaders. Jesus clearly said servant leaders. So to be a leader in the church means you want to work hard yourself and that you are a servant to everybody else. Now, <clears throat> I think we have a couple of really clear illustrations. I want to make this clear this morning. <clears throat> Sister Velvet uh, most of the time runs our dinners out back. Has everybody, anybody ever noticed that Sister Velvet likes to just sit down at the table and tell everybody else what to do? That's how she runs things. She sits down and tells you guys what work to be done, right? See, I've been on to her about you got to get some help, and she just she, she, she wants to do it. But here's what we've kind of learned Someone has to be in charge, right? And that's someone has to be in charge. So the sisters have learned to go to Sister Velvet and say, you are in charge, what should I do? Instead of Velvet going and saying, you need to do this and you need to do this and can you do this and I need you to do this and would you mind doing this for me and would you do this for me? She is a servant who is working herself harder than anybody else, by the way. And if you want to help because she's in charge, she'll give you something to do. Does that make sense to anybody? <clears throat> Josh, uh, I think, is a good picture of this. Um, you know, Josh organizes primarily everything around here. I think everybody knows that, that um, if you want to know what's going on, you go see, go, go see Josh. Josh does not sit down in the corner and watch everybody else do everything. Josh is always working, and he's always serving us. But here's the thing. If you want to work in a church, someone's got to be in charge. So what am I supposed to do? I got to go ask Josh, what should I do? 
I've never seen Josh going around and you need to do this and you need to do this and I got to do this and you got to do this and you need to do this and would you do this for me? Josh is a servant leader and we have learned because he is serving us and he is organizing us, we go to him and he gives us jobs to do. Am I making any sense to anybody? That is the opposite of the world. See, the world would say, Velvet, you're in charge, you boss everybody around. Josh, you're running the show, you just tell everybody what to do and they have to listen to what you say. That is not church. See, we got to have organization, and we got to have leadership, and we got to have people who are running the show. Velvet is, if you know those two items that I do, those two people I do, they are both very uh, meticulous on doing everything perfectly right. So we're not talking here about slop and slinging it together and doesn't matter. They're very particular about doing it right, but they're not out giving orders. They're out doing the work, and if you want to be a part of it, you help them, and they'll, they'll tell you what to do. I think that's a picture of the Bible. Uh, see, that person is that person understands why they're doing it and they they are in a position for the Lord to increase them because they it's not about them they serve others <clears throat> and this last one uh, under proven leadership <clears throat> I think is very very important so if Renee and I and I say this kind of to be funny but it, it's sadly that it's true if Renee's got all the doctrine down right and Renee has proven herself faithful, and, and Renee uh, is, is a, a servant, has a servant's heart, and Renee has all those things. We should vote her in as a trustee and then just give her authority to do anything she wants to do. If the furnace breaks down, Renee, you got this. They say, Pastor, that's ridiculous. Well, it might be ridiculous, but it's not really any more ridiculous than what I've seen done in a lot of churches. What my point is, you can have a servant's heart, you can be faithful, you can have your doctrine right, but if you don't know what you're doing, you can't be a leader. <laughs> Does that make sense? But see, that, that, that craziness of, uh, well, he's a good brother, we'll just put him in charge, I've seen how that ends. That's not a story we want to do. We want to be competent. In other words, if Josh knows nothing at all whatsoever about doing ministry, he might be a great guy. He might love Jesus. He might be faithful. He might have a servant's heart. But if he doesn't know what he's doing, he can't run things. Right? And, and I think that is so obvious. But I look back at, you know, uh, I'm not even going to go there. It, that's just the way it ought to be. We ought to have people who know what they're doing in positions of authority. So there's competence, which means you have some knowledge and ability in that particular thing. Uh, there is, uh, um, obviously you have to have a servant's heart and be faithful and have the doctrine, right? But you also have to know what you're doing. And if you don't know what you're doing, <laughs> you, can't be running, you can't be running things. You can't be a leader over things. So I hope that made a little bit of sense. So we have the principal leader. We have the proven leaders. They have proven themselves true. We go on to the potential leaders. <clears throat> the potential leaders is kind of a <clears throat> unique category. Uh, this would be the, uh, the same commit thou to faithful men. <clears throat> and these people have proven themselves faithful, and they've probably been picked by the principal leader or by the proven leaders to move up a little higher, uh, but maybe they're not quite on the level of the proven leader. Am I making sense at all? You guys, are you guys following this? Is, is this making sense? <clears throat> so there has been noticed their spiritual growth. Their spiritual growth has become evident. So in other words, when they were one of the possible leaders, we got to look at them, we got to say, and you know what? I see some spiritual growth there. 
They're coming to church. They're coming to Sunday school. They're coming to the services. They're applying the word. They're moving up. They're growing. How many of you know that you can't sit in a church like this and really grow spiritually and someone not see it? We can see that you're growing. We can see you're getting close to God. We, we recognize there's something going on there in your life. <clears throat> they are teachable. <laughs> we don't have a whole lot of trouble with this around here. But how many of you know there are some people you can't teach them anything? I mean, you can't, you can't, you can't, you might as well be talking about wall right there. You can't teach them anything, right? <clears throat> I know the Sorrells are very reputable for being hard-headed. You don't need an amen right there, but they're very reputable for being hard-headed. But here's the thing. If someone can't be teachable, they don't have any position to, uh, uh, place in leadership because they need to be teachable. You need to be able to say the way you're doing that is wrong. The way you're doing that, we could do better. Um, <clears throat> they accept correction, and I'd love to stop right there and preach for about an hour. But whoever you are in this church, if every time we say there's a better way of doing that, you get your feelings hurt, you're never going to be a proven leader. You're never going to move up and, and be a position in this church. Because if you get your feelings hurt when someone corrects you, you you're, you're, not, you're not leadership material. You've got to be where someone can correct you and, and uh, not get your feelings hurt. <clears throat> they handle being delegated to. And this, this is just a proving process, but so someone who is a proven leader, someone who's a principal leader says, would you do this for me? They carry that out. They get the work done. They're not slothful. They're eager and they're willing. <clears throat> they do a good job. They, they're faithful in what they're doing. When they're delegated to, they carry it out. That gives you a real good indication. Maybe if they were chosen as a proven leader, they'd be dependable. Am I making any sense to you guys? And they are humble. I think this is really important in the church. They're not looking to be in charge. They're happy to serve. <clears throat> I got to think about this message, and I would like for this to just give us a little bit of structure on how to do this, but I think we've really been doing this for some time, just kind of maybe without structure. But Jamie and Rachel, if you know Jamie and Rachel, if you've been in the church anytime, if you've watched their lives, if you've done anything about them, um, they are about the two, um, what is the word I'm looking for? They, they don't want the spotlight. They, they, don't, they don't want no one to call. I told Rachel, I'm going to use your name. Oh, no, Dad, don't do that. Don't talk about me, not in the church. <clears throat> they don't, they're not. They didn't come into this church saying, I'm going to work so hard one day, I'll be running this place. Right? They're like, I'm going to keep my head down. Maybe they won't notice what I'm doing. They won't see. Right? They, they weren't in this for authority. They weren't in this for position. They were in this for Jesus. But it was kind of hard for some of us not to recognize, man, God's doing something in their life. It's kind of, Josh mentioned their podcast. If you're not listening to their podcast, you really should. I hear the stuff come out of their mouths. I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, they get it. They get it. All this time they've acted like they're silly little girls. They get actually get it. But, yeah, they still are. That's true. If you listen to the podcast, you'll know that they are. But my point being, they showed themselves growing spiritually. They proved that we could delegate to them and they would carry it out. They, they weren't looking for position or look at me. Really, just by had to twist their arm to get them to move into more leadership. But I just say this here, if you can't see what God's doing in their lives, you're just not looking. God's doing mighty things in their life. If you listen to those podcasts, like, oh my gosh, that's what they're saying. So there's a pattern that we got to follow. Renee and Chrissy uh, wanted to start doing a, a doc the doc thing out back and then to do the podcast that they were doing. And, um, and, and, and again, they are, um, 
keep your head down, maybe nobody won't notice. They are, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm nobody. They are, they're willing to admit, I don't live up to everything we're teaching. But they're proving that God is working in their life and, and God is moving them forward. And I'm just, I'm just trying to show you that, that when we humble ourselves down and do what the Bible says, God will put us on a track to where he wants us to be. And if we're, and, and we don't do this, this is not a Sand Hill thing, this, is, this has nothing whatsoever to do with Sand Hill, but there are churches that are run by uh, whoever raises their hand gets the job. We don't do that here. Because then you don't have excellence, you don't have order, you have people doing things who shouldn't be doing things. Right? And I hope that makes sense. And I, you say, Pastor, that's your way of thinking. No, that's what Paul said. He said, he said I'm the principal leader, and I've, I found the, uh, these proven men, and I've asked them to pass on to faithful men who proved themselves, and then they're going to go find some other men. <clears throat> so, so there is a pattern here on how uh, we, we put people in leadership. And, and again, we're not going to have sisters pastoring the church, but we are having uh, sisters in positions to influence other sisters because that is a very biblical concept. Right, and we do have brothers who maybe never, maybe they're not preachers, and maybe they'll never pass to the church, but they're being noticed that they're growing in the Lord and they're having more influence because they're being what God wants them to be, and they're moving up uh, in influence in the church, and that is a very biblical concept. <clears throat> Last thing, possible leaders, the description of possible leaders. Here is where Sand Hill really doesn't fit the mold. Everyone who comes here is supposed to be in this group. Been saved for years, been saved for weeks. New to the church, been here forever. Man, woman, whoever you are, we want you to be a part of this. When we're having an event, we want you to be a part of it. When we got a work day, we want you to be a part of it. When we're having services, we want you to be a part of it. Everything that is going on all of the time, listen, there are no exclusive invitations. There are no certain ones in, certain ones out. Everybody under the sound of my voice is in this group. We want you to all be a part of the Sand Hill Church. I think that's what the Bible says. I think in Acts, all of them had all things in common. They were all together and in this church <clears throat> we want everybody to be involved with everything we do okay so if everyone is involved in everything we do all of the possible leaders are doing the work they're, they're, we're putting things together for camp. We're working on the nativity. We're, we're doing this and we're doing that. We're, we're getting ready for something here at the church. <clears throat> These people are loving Jesus and they're humbly waiting his direction. I, I, again, I thought I couldn't help but think of Jamie and Rachel when I, when I wrote that down, but they were down at the bottom trying to keep their heads down. Not a thought one of doing anything more. And Jesus found them. And Jesus found them. And, and, and God is using them, and they're really uncomfortable that God is using them, but God's using them. And that's what God's looking for is those who are not drawing attention to themselves, but those who are humbly waiting for his direction. And so all of the people in the church, if you get the picture, everybody here under the sound of my voice, if you're not in, if you've not uh, um, in a position of leadership at the church, everyone here is a possible leader. 
And when God starts working with you, we might say, would you take on a little more responsibility, which means you're a potential leader. And then we're going to watch how you handle that. And if you do that right, you might be moving into a proven leader. And once you're a proven leader, uh, that means uh, that if something happens to the principal leader, you could be the next guy in charge. See, in the New Testament, we don't find... How many of you think it would have been a good thing? The Apostle Paul is a pretty cool guy, amen? Apostle Paul, am I allowed to say that? Apostle Paul is a pretty cool guy. What if, and, and you know in the first century he was basically doing his missionary tours and he was setting up churches and he was telling everybody what to do and he was running the show. And what if he would have said, uh, when Paul's gone, this whole thing stops. I mean, when Paul dies, the church just dies because it was all about Paul. See, there was, a, there was a system set up that when Paul died, nothing stopped. Just kept right on going. We don't know the future. <clears throat> they might lock me up, put me in jail. They might, I might die. I'm, they might kill me. I might get sick. I might not be able to come to church. <coughs> this church should not depend on Pastor Gary. You guys with me? If I'm not here next Sunday, somebody needs to step into that place and be able to run it. And when they're not here, someone steps into their place. That is a depth that will make the church survive. Listen, we could be facing persecution. We could be facing, we could be facing all kinds of things in this country. We don't know what the future holds. But here's the thing. If they take me out, they don't stop the church. They take Josh out, they don't stop the church. They, they take out four or five brothers, they don't stop a church. Because we're all train and so here's the thing so if i if i am not here and one of the proven leaders step into my shoes one of you potential leaders are going to have to step into the proven leader's shoes to take care of that and someone in the possible leadership is going to have to move up into the uh, potential ones so they'll be ready to move into the proven ones am i making any sense Years of progression, you move, and we keep filling vacancies and no matter how many satan wants to take out we just keep filling them up and just keep pushing them forward and that makes a lot of sense if the Lord will bless, I, I, I have two or three more messages or three or four or five or six or whatever it is but uh, I have that I want to preach on this subject. By the way, just a little news flash. This was my first Sunday of the year <laughs> message <laughs> that I wanted to preach. It kind of got all messed up uh, that I had planned. But I want to show you guys how this can move us into the future. But we got to understand how each one of those positions work and what position you're in and how God could use you to move up to be more of an impact for him. <clears throat> so let me just say this last thing and we'll quit. <clears throat> How many know that if you are moving up in the church, it's not about being recognized by the people. It's about Jesus. See, if you are a possible leader and you become a potential leader and then you're a proven leader, you don't say, ah, I've got some prestige in the church. You say, I'm being used by Jesus. Jesus is using me. They never mention my name. They never talk about me. They never appreciate me. They never say anything about me. I don't care. Jesus is using me. Anybody here wants that? Oh, boy, that was sad. Anybody here wants that for you? Anybody here wants God to use you? Anybody want Jesus to say, I'm proud of you? I'm proud of what you did? And when you get to the end of the road, how many would like to walk into the judgment seat of Christ and have Jesus Christ look you in the face and say, well done. Well done. You did exactly what I wanted you to do. Look what I got waiting on you. Anybody excited about that day? Well done. I don't have time to preach this, but I believe there'll be Christians there who won't hear those words. 
I guess you can have your theology however you want it. But I feel there'll be people that'll stand there and they might get in because they believed in Jesus. But he's not going to look at him and say, man, your whole life you really did what I told you to do. I want to hear Jesus say, well done. We pray that this message has stirred your soul as you continue on for Christ. If you've been blessed by this sermon, we encourage you to share this podcast with others that we may together embolden each other for the kingdom cause. To listen to Sandhill Sermons live, you can join us Sundays at 11 o'clock on Facebook and YouTube. You can also find additional content such as our Steadfast Studies podcast or the NOYC Godcast for Youth provided by Sandhill for spiritual growth of all ages. These can be found at sandhillfwb.com or on all major podcast platforms. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way.